the meaning of knowledge, Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. Understanding how this affects your life in a post-capitalist society. And, and we're going to be exploring many concepts and this. this is going to be a very powerful episode. And let's dive right into it. So there are many theories as to what we know and how we know it, as there have been in metaphysics. From Plato in 1400 BC to Ludwig Wittstein in 1889 to 1951, and Karl Proper in 1902, in our own day. You know, but since Plato's time, there have been two theories in the West, and since around that time, two theories in the East regarding the meaning and function of knowledge. Plato's spokesman, the wise Socrates, holds that the sole function of knowledge is self-knowledge the intellectual, moral, spiritual growth of the person. This is very interesting. So, you know, East and the West philosophy, kind of a little high-level overview, a little bird's-eye view of this, um, just to understand kind of these two different forms, schools of thought, and even still today, um, how, how they're at play. So I would say the East is a bit more of the uh, ethereal, a bit more of the mindset, religion, um, you know, meditation, kind of that sort of way, you know, yoga, the more um, natural-based balance approach. Whereas the West is kind of like hard work, hustle, um, you know, grind it out, business, 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 um, kind of ruthless. And although this isn't black and white, that's just to give you a framework going into this. So understanding what I just was talking about, you know, so, you know, since Plato's time, there has been those two theories in the West. And around the same time, two theories in the East regarding the meaning and function of knowledge. And why is knowledge important? Well, in this book by Peter F. Drucker, you know, post-capitalist society, the, the society that he says we're currently in is the knowledge society, where knowledge is power. And this is true. Think about it. You know, these there's giant assets that we didn't even know were a possibility to, to have that you can't touch, you can't feel, you can't look at, really in the physical world without technology. And these are basically data companies. So Facebook, you know, um, Twitter, Snapchat, all these companies are just collecting massive sources of data. And this is their biggest asset. So this is really, you know, kind of shows one facet of the knowledge society. And most people that work in specialized fields, it's it's knowledge fields. And we're, we're, we used to be focused on, you know, means of production, producing physical goods. Now it's more, you know, you see people paying $50,000 for online courses, like for consulting and, and basically the transfer of knowledge. And this, this is very interesting. So Socrates holds that the sole function of knowledge is self-knowledge, the intellectual, moral and spiritual growth of the person. His ableist opponent, the brilliant and learned Protagoras, holds, however, that the purpose of knowledge is to make the holder effective by enabling him to know what to say and how to say it. So Socrates says it's self-knowledge, you know, the intellectual growth and spiritual of the person, whereas Protagoras says that, you know, it's, it's really just to, uh, you know, help the holder be more effective by enabling him to know what to say and how to say it. For Protagoras, you know, the knowledge meant logic, grammar, and rhetoric. And this has, you know, later become the trivium, the core meaning of the Middle Ages, and, uh, you know, still very much what we call liberal education. So this is kind of why the education system is so messed up is because it's founded by these people that, you know, if you trace usually a concept or, or a thought back all the way to its originator, that person just made it up. 
like maybe they kind of bounce it off other ideas. They use the concept of edge effect and uh, utilize other other concepts to kind of build up the framework for what they're teaching. But, you know, as Protagoras says, this, this is the uh, he kind of came up with the framework of a liberal education, you know, that were like rhetoric, logic, all those different things. And today they're still teaching it the same, which, which just blows my mind. In today's world, really what Socrates taught is what you should be moving forward, which is self-knowledge. You know, actual things that don't just apply to rhetoric, they apply to life in general. And in the moving world with the oncoming of AI, machine learning, and truly it's already here, we really need to advance quickly and we need to figure, I think it'll be a pretty big show and tell, you know, when we get done with this uh, this school year and people are like, wait, so I just paid $50,000 for college. Normally I go into a classroom and I just learned everything online and I got the exact same education. I learned the same stuff, but it was all online. So why did I pay the same? You know, th- that's kind of what it will show. You know, the college system is so bloated and so just warped. I could, you know, I could talk for hours on that. And, uh, you know, next week we'll be diving more into a, uh, We've, we've touched on it a little bit, but there's a great book by Thomas Sowell, which is Inside American Education, if you're interested in this topic, which I'm very passionate about, which is uh, kind of reforming the education system and, and changing up the way we see college, the way we see learning. Because, you know, the day most people step out of school is the last day they, they learn. And really, in those last couple of years of school, they're just partying and not really actually learning because they're not passionate about what they're learning. It's important to have a drive, a fire behind you because, you know, a large flame starts with a little spark. And, you know, um, apologies. So basically what Germans mean by algorithm building is in the East. They, that's that's like the, sorry, the algorithm building, what Germans mean by that is kind of the liberal education, which is what Protagoras um, kind of came up with as far as what he thought knowledge meant, which is logic, grammar, and rhetoric. Where I find, you know, what Socrates says, you know, the function of knowledge is self-knowledge, the intellectual, moral, and spiritual growth of a person. And uh, so those are kind of the two opposing sides as far as the West. Now let's move to the East. And this is actually very interesting. So in the East, there are pretty much the same two theories of knowledge. Knowledge for the Confucian, so Confucius, and people that followed him were considered themselves Confucians. And This basically meant knowing what to say and how to say it as a root of advancement and early success. Knowledge for the Taoist and the Zen monk meant self-knowledge and the road to enlightenment and wisdom. But while the two sides thus sharply disagreed on what knowledge actually meant, they were in a total agreement about what it did not mean. It did not mean the ability to do. It did not mean utility. Utility is not knowledge. It was skill. The Greek word is techne. Very interesting. So basically just just an overview of what we went over. So in the West, you know, Socrates focused more on self-knowledge and Protagoras focused more on trivium, which is basically the liberal education. Whereas in the East, the Confucian basically meant, you know, what to say and how to say it, which is similar to Protagoras, the trivium, the liberal education. And the Taoist and Zen were more on Socrates' side in the West. And uh, although they probably weren't aware of the the opposing sides until now, you know, people that follow those same teachings today, um, back then when they were teaching just the local community, and you got to think about that, how how limited communication was and how how small groups people lived in. And, you know, so the Taoists and Zen more focused on self-knowledge, enlightenment, and wisdom. 
And personally, I find the Taoists and the Zen and Socrates, self-knowledge, um, enlightenment and wisdom, the better approach as far as what knowledge means. Because, you know, they, as I said, you know, they both found a common ground, which is very important. And they, they both admitted that it did not mean you ability to do. It did not mean utility. Utility was not knowledge. It was skill. The Greek word is techne. So unlike Far Eastern contemporaries, the Chinese Confucians, with their infinite contempt for anything but book learning, both Socrates and Pythagoras respected techne. But even Socrates and Pythagoras, techne, however, commendable, was not knowledge. It was confined to one specific application and had no general principles. So this is very interesting. You know, a lot of the things that they teach in school are just technique. You know, they're, they're, they just apply to one thing. So, for example, um, you know, uh, pretty much anything you learn, in really any class at school. The only, um, you know, theories, you know, ethical theories, psychology, um, history, I guess, would be outside of that because it, it's basically a framework you can apply to many different things. But the issue is the way they teach it is all techniques. So the way they teach it is uh, basically what they're saying is technique. And they basically all these, you know, both so Socrates, Pythagoras, um, the Confucians, and the Taoist and Zen monks, all four of those different schools of thought in the East and the West, both agreed that techne was not knowledge. Knowledge was the actual, you know, enlightenment and thing of this nature, but techne was just the skill. And again, the way they teach it in school is, is skill. So people forget the skill, forget the trick, forget the tip, and they don't have the bigger picture. They don't have the framework, which is what's really important to learn. What, that's what I try and focus on here at the Modern Academy, which is basically frameworks. You know, I don't try and, you know, if I, if I do one individual, um, you know, like mental model, it can apply to so many different things. And that's, that's really what we try and focus on is, you know, make sure whatever we teach can apply to the four main pillars of life, which is, you know, health, wealth, love, and happiness. And, um, you know, so it's confined to one specific application of general principle, technique. And, you know, when the shipmaster knew about navigating from Greece to Sicily, um, sorry, what the shipmaster knew about navigating from Greece to Sicily could not be applied to anything else. Furthermore, the only way to learn a technique was through apprenticeship and experience. A technique, um, sorry, a technique could not be explained in words, whether spoken or written. It could only be demonstrated. As late as 1700 or even later, the English did not speak of crafts, quote unquote. They spoke of, quote unquote, mysteries, not just because the processor of a craft skill was sworn to secrecy, but also because a craft, by definition, was inaccessible to anyone who had not been apprenticed to a master and thus learned by example. So basically the first technical schools came about in this, uh, these first engineering schools, you know, the French Ecole des Ponts at Chastuit, which was founded in 1747, followed by 1770 by the first school of agriculture and 1776 by the first school of mining in Germany. And, you know, in 1794, the first technical university, the French École Polytechnique, was founded with it, the profession, um, sorry, the profession of engineer. Shortly thereafter, between 1820 and 1850, medical education and medical practice were reorganized as systematic technology. 
So this book is very, very interesting. I highly recommend you pick this up by Peter F. Drucker talking about post-capitalist society and the knowledge society. This basically gives you an edge on anyone else, whether that be in business, really any aspect of life, kind of understanding where the world is moving. And, um, you know, we're really already here in this knowledge society. So, you know, Darwin, Marx, and Freud form the Trinity often cited as the markers of the modern world. So Darwin, Marx, and Freud. So my question to you is how many books have you read by each of those people? Darwin, Marx, Freud. Great book by Freud that I actually really enjoy is Civilization of Discontents. So the productivity of the new classes, the classes of the post-capitalist society can be increased only by applying knowledge to work. Very important to remember, knowledge to work. So remember that they, the, these four different schools of philosophy, two in the East and two in the West, all said that techne was not knowledge. That's that's just skills. Knowledge is is basically this this um, framework. These mental models that you can apply to pretty much everything. They're bendable. They're malleable. They're adaptable. And basically, it can only be increased only by applying knowledge to work. Neither machines nor capital can do it. Indeed, if applied alone, they are likely to impede rather than to create productivity, as will be discussed further in this book. And from now on, what matters is productivity of non-manual workers. And that requires applying knowledge to knowledge. It's very interesting. So applying knowledge to knowledge basically comes down to doubling down on what's working and cutting out what's not. So applying multiple different things together. We talk a lot about this. There's a great book called Where Great Ideas Come From. And he talks about the concept of, you know, the culmination of ideas. So the more places basically you're, you're acquiring ideas from, the more different angles, sorry. The more different angles you can you can um, basically take on a different topic or a different um, action, the better you can get. And the reason is this because of the edge effect. You know, the the most bountiful place in nature is not just one sort of biome, not just one uh, land type. It's actually where all these different land types meet together. So you know, where a swampy area meets a foresty area meets a plains area, kind of in that enjoining area. That's where there's the most life, abundance, and growth. And it's, it's very interesting. It's the same with ideas. So if you can combine, you know, if, if you're reading history with business books, with psychology books, with, you know, a little bit of self-help books, with maybe some autobiography books. And in that, that's where you innovate. That's where you kind of bounce these different ideas off and go, okay, you know, um, what did I learn from Shoe Dog? Phil Knight, that's a great book. You know, he... He traveled the world, and, and it's the same. Really, you can pick up ideas from traveling, from mentoring, from online programs, from podcasts, all of these different things. We live in an abundant world, so you need to take advantage of this. You know, We're in the knowledge society. We're in the post-capitalist society. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe. And until next time.